You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. Hey, what's up, Vox and Hops heads? I'm Matt, the vocals of Cryptopsy, and you're listening to my podcast, Vox and Hops, where I sit down with fellow metal musicians and talk about their lives, music, and craft beer. I hope that you had a great week. I have had a great week. As of right now, Devastation on the Nation 2020 is less than two months away. This year's Devastation on the Nation is brought to you by Metal Festival Tours, Continental Concerts USA, and yours truly, the Vox and Hops podcast. This year's lineup is absolutely incredible. It features Rotting Christ, Bork Nagar, Wolfhart, Abigail Williams, and Imperial Triumphant. Some of these dates have already sold out. And I can guarantee you that more of them are going to sell out. So if you do not have your tickets to this year's Devastation on the Nation, and you intend on going to see a show, you absolutely should grab your tickets right now via the link in the description of this podcast. Or you could simply go to www.metalfestivaltours.com. Pick up your tickets. Trust me, this is a party that you do not want to miss. Super stoked to announce that Cryptopsy is going to be headlining the second day of the Manitoba Metal Fest 2020. This event takes place in Winnipeg, Manitoba, and Cryptopsy will be performing on Saturday, April 18th. This is an epic weekend of extreme metal. On Friday, you got Gate Creeper, Immortal Possession, Numenorian, Nocturnal Departure, Zombie Assault, and Entity. On the night that Cryptopsy's playing April 18th, it's Cryptopsy, Inverted Serenity, Cell, Anomalism, Inhuman, and Murder Capital. This is going to be a sick time. This is Cryptopsy's first show of 2020, and we're super stoked to be a part of the Manitoba Metal Fest. You can get your tickets via the link in the description of this podcast. And if you can be there, you should be there, because it's going to be an absolute blast. On today's podcast, I have a guest that I've wanted to have on the podcast for a very long time. On today's episode, I'm with Mike DeSalvo of Acurian, Coma Cluster Void. He's also a former Cryptopsy vocalist. Here it is, Vox and Hops, episode number 103. I warn you, what you are about to hear is very disturbing indeed. Hey, what's up, everybody? Today, I am with Mike DeSalvo from Acurian and Coma Cluster Void. And he used to be in Cryptopsy. We are at Le Saint-Buc Brasserie Artisanale, one of Montreal's premier tap rooms. If you're in Montreal and you want to drink some good craft beer, you absolutely have to come here. Mike, how you doing? I am well, man. What's happening? I'm so excited to have you on the show. You're fucking right. Awesome. Thank you. I'm, uh, I'm honored to be on. Uh, let's start at the beginning. Classic Vox and Hops question. Tell me the soundtrack of your youth. What music was playing in your house? What music did your parents listen to? Oh, shit. Um, <laughs> funny enough, my parents, um, I grew up with, uh, with one of those like stereos that's like, uh, it's like a piece of furniture. You lift the top of it up, and there's a record player. It's like, a, like an old jukebox, really. So I grew up listening to a lot of like Motown and you know, a lot of the old 50s. Uh, uh, I mean, there's a ton of... It, they basically played 45s. So whatever was on 45s in the 60s and 50s, 60s, and 70s is what, what we listened to. I had, a, I had a funny thought, though, recently. Like um, I, One of the songs that used to come on when I was a kid was um, the Gap Band. It was uh, Drop a Bomb on Me. I don't know if you remember okay, the song. Okay, no, I don't know this Fucking song. Fucking classic, classic song. But for some stupid reason, I remember like listening to that, loving it as a kid. I don't know how much I love it now, but, but <laughs> back then I, I dug the shit out of it. Playing it, put that song back on, put that on. It was uh, just old memory, you know? Um, but yeah, I, I, I grew up with, I think at the, at, at the time, there was a lot of music playing in the house. Um, for myself, by the time I got my first 
cassette. It was Journey Evolution, actually. I remember that, yeah. Journey Evolution, and then it went from Journey Evolution immediately into Led Zeppelin 4. Obviously, uh, went, the, went the right route that way, you know. And uh, I like Journey too, you know. But uh, those were my first two, and I got them simultaneously for my birthday. I got a shitty little tape recorder that I... Uh, it was like a handheld, like it wasn't even a boombox, it was just like a, like a regular shitty tape recorder. You sit and listen to cassettes on a shit sound with one speaker, not even, <laughs> not, 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 even, even not even stereo. Not even stereo, yeah. <laughs> like, ah, this is the bomb fucking killing it, man. You guys got shit. I got fucking cheap little bullshit radio with, <laughs> with uh, one speaker. But that was where it started, and... Um, I don't know. It's 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 been a a long standing love of collecting and listening and um, spent a lot of time and a lot of money listening to music. What was that moment when you heard Extreme Vocals for the first time? What was that band? What was the the vocalist? Uh, you know. I mean, you know, I'd heard Metallica, Megadeth, things like that, you know, so I mean, extreme, you know, I mean, it's, it's, it was extreme, I guess, for, for, for the time, you know, I mean, that was, you know, I was listening to Black Sabbath and, you know, ACDC and things like that, that was, that, those were mainstays when I was younger, um, Iron Maiden, stuff like that, but then I got thrown on to Megadeth, actually, was the first one, it was Megadeth uh, P-Cells, that, like, kind of pulled me out of just listening to classic metal, you know, Judas Priest, things like that. And, uh, I, I, you know, it, w- it was that. And then Metallica, who I, at the time, I didn't really give a shit about it. Like, I, I remember saying, like, oh, Megadeth blows them out of the water. And then someone introduced me to Slayer, Rain, and Blood. That was, that was my first, like, as soon as that ha- as soon as I can remember listening to it, actually, in my bed, like, listening to it. I don't know how old I was, thir- 13, 14. And I was just like, holy fuck, man, this is like, this smokes everything out there. Like, and, I, and it drew me in like nothing else. Uh, I, I, may, I'm, I can't say nothing else up to date, but, but that's the one that really, really sunk in for me. I remember having like moments of like my bed shit. It was probably, you know, it was me, I'm sure. My bed was shaking. I was like, oh my God, this is like satanic. It's, it's evil. It's this, it's that. You know, but... It's, you know, I mean, I guess in hindsight, it's it's evil-ish, for sure. The lyrics are evil. And it's way faster. It's way faster, way more aggressive than both Megadeth and Metallica put together. And and I just, fuck, man, I fell in love with it, you know? And that's kind of where it started. And I started seeking more of it out. And, you know, SOD, I remember coming at Venom, obviously, you know, obviously, Bathory. I had an early record from Bathory. Um, you know, and it, it, it sort of went in the Celtic Frost. That was that was really. I remember getting morbid tales on on vinyl, and just being blown the fuck away from from that. Is there anything heavier than this? Like really? And um, I still own that vinyl, actually. Uh, it's, and I still listen to it. You know, I mean, it's uh, the, those, sa- the same vinyl. The same vinyl. Yeah. That's amazing. It's, it's scratched as shit, and it sounds you know so so. But it's just such a good record, and it's one I'll you know I have an original one and. Uh, that's one. That's a keeper, you know. Yeah, all my records are keepers. Were you always someone that wanted to sing, wanted to be in the band? When did that bug come about that you wanted to go stop being the audience listener participation and become the person producing it? You know, I I remember going to like shows back in Boston at the Fame Club called the Channel, and um, 
you know, we saw fucking everyone came through there. And I I, I don't know if it's the first one, but I, I definitely recall going to see Testament and Overkill with Malaya Ridge, opening Boston band Malaya Ridge. And um, I remember it being definitely a stepping stone for me to say, you know what, I want to be up on that stage. Like, these guys, I mean, this is just, you know, nothing but a bunch of dudes in the audience, but I still wanted to be up on that stage. Like, you know, like, it, it was... It was definitely the first one that I can recall saying that I, I, I have to, that's something I, I need to do. Smaller club too. You know, I was used to going to like larger venues, going to see, you know, Deep Purple or go see, um, you know, Iron Maiden and shit like that. And although that, you know, you look at that and that's like really lofty thoughts to get to that point, you know. So I don't think that struck me as much as like going to a smaller club and seeing, seeing the reciprocation of a band being on the stage and. And it's almost a bit. It's, down, it's a bit know? more in reach too. Yeah, it's way more. I mean, you could fuck. I could reach up and grab the guys. You know, like so. So that was definitely something. You know, and then after that, I mean, quickly after that, I saw King Diamond on the Abigail tour, and with Trouble of all bands, Trouble opened up for him. Really, and that was one of those shows that, like, I think really kind of set. I was like, I think I was 16, 15 or sixteen when I saw that show. And I think that was really a point where I was like, okay, you know what, like, these guys, you know, they're, they're up there, they're doing what they love, uh, I, I, I hate school, I hate bullshit jobs I'm doing, like, like ah, maybe, I could, maybe I could swing this, you know, if I could just, you know, get a microphone and get a band and learn to sing and super easy figure, yeah yeah exactly so. <laughs> no other circumstances involved there you gotta yeah. start somewhere so it was always uh, vocals though that drew you in it was vocals and drums too I mean I really love drums I can play some drums but I'm like I mean I I can play like a stone or rock drums oh, yeah. and, you know shit like that you know, I mean I, I, I do I do jam like that I mean I can't play any of the stuff that anyone any of the metal shit none of that you know but but in terms of like Straight rock and stuff like that. I mean, I, I I always had an affinity for drums, um, but vocals, yeah, vocals was where where it really started. <clears throat> I, I actually, I had borrowed a, a microphone from from a friend of a, a friend of mine that back you know back in the day when we were just he picked up a guitar, he got a Gibson guitar, and uh, it was sort of like, well, I got a Gibson guitar and no one else to play with. Um, I have this reporter's mic. You want to like plug it in and, <laughs> and see what we do? Yeah, Did you plug yeah, it into the? Good. You plugged it into the same amp. Uh, I, it must have been. It had to have been. It had to have been the same thing. It sounded like shit. I sucked. I mean, you know, it was like really just kind of working your way through it. I was writing back then. That I remember. I was definitely writing terrible, god-awful lyrics that I would never share with the soul. But but I was writing, you know, and I, I, that was, it was, the be I guess, the beginning of learning how to write a song and craft put it together. lyrics. Yeah, yeah. yeah, figuring the craft out, you know. It's just funny because you say you didn't like school, but you enjoyed writing and yeah, sharing your... Yeah, I didn't like school when your... I wrote bullshit lyrics in class <laughs> and <laughs> slept the other time. And No, not that bad. But but uh, but I do remember like writing some some awful lyrics and showing people, oh, dude, check this out. They'd be like, dude, that sucked. <laughs> like, well, yeah, but uh, uh, yeah, it sucked. And what style of vocals were you at that point? Did you evolve into what you are now, or no? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, I, 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 at first, I would say my, you know, my early stuff was very thrashy. You know, it was more thrashy. You know, but that was the influences less, there. Yeah. yeah, it was. Yeah, yeah, for sure. It, it, it came. It, it, it definitely started on a on a thrashier level. 
um, lower than mid-level, I would say. You know, it was, it was almost even high, you know. And um, as it progressed, I just got a little deeper and deeper. You know, I, you know, I fell, in ba- fell in love with bands like uh, Obituary and Sepultura and both Max and uh, John are massive influences from my early uh my early point of getting to that level of, you know, trying to be guttural and not even so much guttural. I, you know, early, my early stuff, I would say, was even more guttural than, than it became. You know, I've always had, always had a, an affinity for, for both metal and hardcore, so I, I guess that kind of crept into it as well because I, I love both styles and, and um, never understood the, the challenge that those two groups had. It doesn't make sense no, at it's all. Bullshit. It's bullshit. It totally comes yeah. from the same vein. It's terrible. You know, and I grew up in a scene where, where metal and, and hardcore in the, in the late 80s were very much uh, one component. You know, people, it was, you know, you had the crossover, you had punk, you had, and everyone got along at shows. And then all of a sudden, with various reasons, it just, you know, it somehow it got splintered and it just drove the wedge deeper and deeper and deeper and those those factions really split and then it became like every other scene unfortunately where it, you know Boston scene was so incredible that it became this thing where you can go to a show and get your head kicked in or you can go to a show and get stabbed or you can go to a show you know like so there was it you, you, you we you know I, I was there I witnessed a scene that was a massive incredibly gifted and and, and, and uh, an amazing experience to something that you had to watch your back everywhere you'd go at a fucking show. So, you know... Uh, Which is exactly not what you want. No, that exactly. Yeah, you know, yeah. and I, I think later on, I mean, even in Cryptops, you always try to preach, you know, any anywhere we'd go. I always said, like, you know, like, you know, I see hardcore kids out here, I see punk kids, I see metalheads, I see death metal, black metal kids, like, you know, let's, you know, unite. Like, we are, we are all one. Yeah, yeah, we're fucking one. It's all the same shit, man. You know, one because one plays a little slower, or one plays. You know, I mean, wh- wh- why why differentiate aside from look? Yeah, we're all, we're all we're all outsiders. Yeah, we're all outsiders from the norm. Exactly. So you've got outsiders that are all of a sudden don't like each other anymore. Like that, you just know, just creating, never made sense to me. Creating smaller niches. Yeah, and and it's and it's unnecessary in an already, especially at that time, an already small scene. You know, I mean, it wasn't that small, but you know, I mean, some some places where, you know, I mean, you've been you've been around. Some places are, are tiny. Boston's always been a really strong metal scene, hardcore scene, and to have that, like, break up um, was, you know, it was kind of shameful, really. Like, uh, sad. You know, I never never thought I, the scene that I grew up in would turn that way, you know? So... We were just delivered a beautiful beer. We're at Le Saint-Buc. Cheers. This is their... Semiel. It is a black India ale made with rye. It clocks in at 6.9%. Cheers. Smells delicious. Yes, multi delicious animal. Yeah, it does kind of smell like an animal. What the hell are they in this? It's a little farmy. It's delicious. It's delicious. It's got a nice multi bite. Smooth, ominous black. Nice little head. It's tasty as hell. (laughs) Really good. I think I've had this one before. Vox and Ops is all about craft beer and metal. Are you a craft beer enthusiast? I fucking sure am. <laughs> Let's talk about that. Where did that start? Is it from being from Boston, or did it start when you moved here to Montreal? No, it definitely started in Boston. I remember, you know, I mean, obviously we all grew up drinking bullshit beer. You know, so I was around a family that that was drinking Schlitz and MGDs and... 
whatever other crap, Miller, Miller Lite, you know, all that kind of crap. So I think at an early age when I, you know, because my, my parents were pretty open about, you know, I have, have half a glass or whatever, you know. So at an early age, I was much similar to, to Lord Worm, you know, Dan. Where he was drinking at four, I wouldn't go as far as to say four, but but I, but even at that early age, like I remember drinking wine and stuff. I grew up in an Italian family, so so it was drinking wine, and and then I'd try sample some of this crap beer, and never liked it. You know, it was never never caught on to it. But I think as I got older, you know, I moved from from the MGDs to Rolling Rock to you know, and then I, and I realized, you know, like all these beers really. I'm drinking to get hammered and potty and go out and meet people and whatever. But I'm not really, like, super enjoying this. So I, I started changing gears and started spending more money on, at the time, the, really the one and only one that was out there was Sam Adams. I drank the shit out of Sam Adams. Sam Adams was coming out with beer after beer after beer. I, I, I mean, they're up to, I mean, how many are they up to? 150 beers? Like, More, so for sure. So many yeah. fucking styles. So, but but I, I, I remember when it was just the lager, you know? And now I drink the lager, I can't stand it. But but back then, like, the lager was, like, so set aside from all the rest of the macro brewery madness that was out there that I really gravitated towards that. And then slowly after that, it was, it was like, bass and um, Newcastle, things like that. So I'd start spending a little bit more money on those things. And then, you know, I started getting more flavor for the darker beers. I'm, I'm definitely more... Uh, 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 fan of the the darker biz, so it became little by little became you know uh, um, brown uh, brown ales and and then of course I went to stouts and stouts is really where I would say my my love is you know I love all kinds of beer but but give give the uh, give me the opportunity I'll drink a stout any day you know what would be your favorite stout uh, this yeah it's Guinness like <laughs> really it is it's Guinness I, I, look I love I love I, you know, I, I I will sample beers from everywhere I go. That's 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 a stout. But if I'm saying my go-to drink, that like that's you know that's eighteen bucks a fucking eight beers. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna get some Guinness. I do. I love Guinness. You know, a proper port Guinness. Uh, yeah. How do you go is, on? It's delicious. It is delicious. Yeah. Like you know, like I know a lot of people. Oh, it's it's heavy. It's this. It's that. No, it's it's four point two. It's not heavy. It's actually pretty. But you know what I think it is? It's just people who are just like, ah, give me a Schlitz, or give me a Pabst Blue Ribbon. Oh my God, Guinness is just—it's uh, like a, it's a—it's a different mouthfeel experience. Yeah, it's, it's, and, it's almost yeah. like a whiskey to them, a scotch <laughs> or something. <laughs> no, it's 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 simply Guinness. <laughs> Life is good. Have a Guinness. <laughs> <laughs> Let's fast forward to that moment when you first heard of or saw Cryptopsy. Okay, so the first time uh, I met those guys was in New Bedford, uh, Massachusetts. We were playing a, a 10 kegger or 13 kegger, something outrageous like that. Definitely 10, maybe 13. And those guys came down, and at the time they were... And I, I've had this discussion with Lordworm. I remember having this discussion with him, and I distinctly remember them being Gamora at that show. Okay. They were, for one time only, they were Gamora. He says they were something else. I was like, nah, dude, I'm telling you, man, it was This it is was like Gamora. between necrosis and cryptopsy. Correct. Is that yeah. okay? Yeah. So they did that one-off show. They came down for, for this, this 13 kega. Uh, when when you say a, that, that, you mean that there was 13 kegs that yes. were drank? Yeah. Got it. Yeah, 13 kegs. Uh, it was in a, uh, uh, an old warehouse. Uh, old mill, actually. It was an old mill. 
uh, in a mill town. This is a mill town. So we get there. There's a fucking ton of people. There's like 10, 12 bands there. The second it's about to start, everyone's getting drinks. Boom, the cops show up. <laughs> of course they do. What do they do? They wheel out the 10 or 13 kegs, and they're like, okay, boys. Have girls, fun. Have fun. <laughs> and then so, oh, all right, so, you know, so anyways, the show continued. And uh, I think it was, I don't know if it was Flo's first show, but it was definitely close to the, wow. to the first show. He was, I, I, I want to say he was like 17 wow. at, at, at that gig. I, I, he, I mean, he, he could correct me, but I think, I think he was 17. Met them, Steve, all the guys, you know, instantly loved them. You know, like uh, they were just, you know, yeah, I mean, you know them. They're, they're all, you know, beautiful people. So, um, and they were then too, and they were super approachable. In fact, I think um, my guitarist at the time, Matt Raymond, uh, it was Infestation back then. I was Infestation. I, I was going to ask. Cause yeah, so um, he went to go shake his hand, Dan's hand, and Dan's like, oh, no, 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 you don't want to shake my hand. He's like, wow, uh, why? He's like, well, because it was just down my throat, and I picked up a bunch of worms. <laughs> so like, he's like, okay, well, yeah, maybe I won't shake your hand. I'll pat you on the back, and great show, you know? He used to puke up worms? Uh, he did at that time anyways, yeah. Or so he says. Ah, he did. Sure he did. I, I'm not surprised. No, me neither. Me neither. I'm sure he devoured them, and then fuck, yeah. But, uh, but that, was the, that was the first time I met him, and... I, don't know, I think we sent a. I think I gave him a flyer for a show or something to to Steve, or I sent him a flyer. I think is actually what it was. At post post show, I think we had another show, and I sent it to them and said, "Hey guys, why don't you come down and hang out?" So I think he was so blown away by, by the fact that we just that I sent this flyer to him. We just it just created a pen pal sort of environment, and and uh, we kept in touch and and. Um, that band blew me the fuck away. You know, I mean, they were, they were awesome. I mean, back they 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 destroyed everyone at at at, at the show, no, hands down. They were professional. They were, you know, they just had it. They had they they had the it thing. You know, and uh, and it was omnipresent at that time. It still is. You know? At what point did you ever imagine that you would end up fronting that band? Huh. Uh, you know, I, I was asked that question and and. I was asked that question in an interview a long time ago, and my answer after I after I read the interview was super lame and cocky. <laughs> okay, and it wasn't meant that way. Actually, it really wasn't. It was it was truly meant as a when they were playing and when I had seen them and we come up to see them. We we came up to play with them at the jailhouse. I don't know, maybe within the year after that. And I always and how I meant it was simply that I always could see. I could see myself singing to those rhythms, okay? So, so it was more of that, I, you know, and the way it came across was like, oh, yeah, I can see myself in that band, or this and that, you know, it was just, it was so lame and cocky, and I remember the band being like, dude, this interview sucks. <laughs> I, was like, I was like, yeah, this is really not a shining moment. It's in okay, interviews. I'm lucky now, Flo doesn't read any <laughs> fucking shit I do. Oh, beautiful. <laughs> Back then they were reading everything, so it was like heavily scrutinized. So, you know, and there was that, or it was a lot of swearing, as you know, I swear a lot. Or as you'll hear, I swear a lot. You can say, say whatever the fuck you yeah, want. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. it, you know. So, uh, uh, you know, I, so I, I, think, I think it was early on that I had, because I, I, I have this way of, like, when I see bands, I, I'll put my own rhythms to some of their stuff sometimes, you know. Just, it's a habit. It's not a, it's not a I'm better than you, or a, you know, it's just really just, I, I, I listen to rhythms, and I want to, kind of adopt my own thing to it sometimes you know it's just in my head it's never out loud it's never a, 
Um, so that was that was certainly one of the one of the bands that I that I was doing this with, listening to the albums and sort of feeling it for myself, and uh, and that's really what it was about. And I think at that point when I started to do that, it was sort of a, an idea of shit, man. I could I could probably pull something off really really well with these guys. Way before anything like that was there, I was in infestation. I was happy. I was, you know, I was loving what we were doing. And but it was just, you know, it's just a, it's a random thought in my head that I'm letting people know. You know it's not. A, <laughs> it wasn't like I'm walking around, you know, like <laughs> I'm gonna sing for Cryptops. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, I'm, they don't know it yet, but I'm the singer for Cryptops. You know, not like that. You know. How surprised were you when you heard that Lord Worm was gonna leave the band? I was. I was definitely surprised. I was living here, I think, at the time when it when it first popped. Yeah, I, I think so. But I had just moved down or something, and I, I heard he was leaving. I was surprised. I'm very good friends with him. Um, to this day, we're, we're great friends. So for me, I mean, he's, you know, he's the, he's, he was the front man. You know, he was, he is Lord Worm. He's, he is the unparalleled Lord Worm. And now he's leaving? Like, so I, I, that one definitely surprised me. I was like, you know, is, is it the end of them? Is it, you know? And then, you know, shortly after they had approached me and, and said, you know, you want to, you feel like coming down and give it a whirl and try some songs out? And so for me, it was an immediate, absolutely, like, you know, I'll come down and let's, let's see, you know? And I remember learning uh, at the time I was living in a shitty apartment where we had, I didn't have a washer or dryer. We had to use like the basement washer and dryer where everyone used. And I remember sitting downstairs there, washing clothes, writing out the lyrics, and listening to them in a, in a, in a headphone, a CD, CD Walkman, and just fucking learning the songs. And just, you know, so I, so, because for me, I'm... What, what would they be, those songs? Do you remember what those tryout songs were? Uh, not entirely, but I think one for sure was, um, one for sure was Slit Your Guts. Defenestration, I think I was learning too early on. And I want to say I learned if it was Crown of Horns or Graves of the Fathers, because I really love Graves of the Fathers. So, you know, the breakdown in that is it's just ridiculous, you know. So I think that might have been, it was definitely an early on, one of the early on uh, ones that I learned. But I, for me, I'm, I'm, I'm all about being well prepared. So if I don't show up well prepared, then then things go awry, you know. So <laughs> for yourself or for, yeah, for everyone? Me, for me, for me, you know, for me. I, you know, I feel I just I'm not I'm not comfortable. You know, there's nothing worse than being ill prepared. There is truly nothing worse than being unprepared. I don't know if you have these. I have these dreams all the time, nightmares, really. I bet I have the same ones. Where you're at, a, you're taking a test in school, okay, but you haven't studied. Oh shit! So okay, so I'll I'll up you on that one. I used to have dreams, and I still to this day sometimes have them is being on stage and not remembering lyrics or not remembering uh, uh, the show people are leaving and I'm wondering why people are walking out and, like, <laughs> that's <laughs> horrible know? so I've had this that's dream. horrible yeah, and, and, and I've, I've had this dream countless times and I know it's because it's my own inner psyche of like be prepared you gotta, gotta go in there and know what you're doing you know? <laughs> uh, so I did I came in well prepared I knew the songs we, and, we spoke about know. this before deciphering Lord Worm's lyrics into his patterns how did you go about doing that? We've done it in different ways. I'm sure we have. Yeah. So, uh, you know, first, first, I'd say good luck. <laughs> <laughs> Personally, I phonetically went through it. 
and so did I. So just did I. ciphered it out. Yes, and I, I did as well. And omitted words. Yes, and just so did I. Uh, words were dropped for sure. You know, and um, and that's okay. It, uh, you know, I mean, to but look. Let's face it. We all, the three of us have different styles. So, so if if we're gonna. The last thing I wanted for me personally was to sound like him. I didn't want to go in. I wanted. It was all about me doing my own shit, not following the mold. I'm, the last thing you want anyone wants to do is to follow Lord Worm and be a second Lord. Worm. Like fuck that. Shit. Like an like, imitation. No, yeah, that's that would have been horrible. Like, yeah. There is one. There is the only Lord Worm. So you're not gonna. Y- y- anyone who tries that is 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 ridiculous and should just stop singing. It's gonna know? fail right away. Yeah, it's a failure. Yeah. It's a failure before you even start. So, for me, it was very important to adopt my my style into what what was going on, and to really, like it's like you said, drop some of the words that that it was an impossibility in my mind for me for my style an impossibility to pull off. So I just chopped a little bit, you know. I really I dropped the thes and the ofs and all the all the you know all the the, the senseless needless shit. Keep the meat and keep the meat. Yeah. That's it. You know. Um, and that was, well, I mean, there was there was definitely songs that were were a major challenge in terms of that. One of the biggest ones that I had a challenge with was "Cold Hate, Warm Blood." Like, you, good luck to anyone that wants to try to pull that off the way he does. It's just you're not going to do it, you know. And um, and I just remember chopping the shit out of what he was doing to kind of get the same feel, but to to make sure that it was. That you know, there was I don't know. Let's say a sentence had six, seven words in it. It was down to three. You know? <laughs> <laughs> <It> was <laughs> about Colt Hay Warm Blood. Yeah, he wrote the lyrics to that. Was that a song that they were performing before you joined the band? Yeah, is that why you're saying that? Correct. I yeah, didn't, I didn't know warms. this. Okay. Yeah, it was the two of them. They had they had just started writing. They had finished those two those two songs, and then it was the third one was Loathe. That was the first one that I was there for the entire process of it you know I'm, I'm a guy that likes to be there for all the writing i don't like to sit in the back and show me the songs after i want to be there i want to my input i want to be able to try to work some of the arrangements out always been like that and uh for me it's very important you know especially because if it, there needs to be a, a flow to it you know that that i can also get down with you know what i mean so so I'm. I, I was always present for for all the all the songs that were written with 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 Cryptopsy at that time. That yeah, Loath was definitely. We started at brand spanking new. The other two songs were done, and I remember coming down to the jams, practicing the songs I knew, listening to them play those two songs, and couldn't fucking wait to play those songs. I was every time. I was just like, oh my god, these songs are like. You know, the breakdowns in both those songs are just, you know, over the top. So, for me, those were those were the two most anticipated songs. Because I went through the whole, at that time, I went through the catalog, learned the catalog, learned it all. I learned everything. And then, and then came back around to those two songs, learned those, and then we started writing uh, for the... Uh, for the for the rest of the album. It's somewhat interesting, though, because nowadays, if a singer would leave, those two songs would become your songs, and you would write your lyrics to it. You know what, though? I, you're right. You're right. And But you know what? That thought never even crossed my mind at that point. Um, for me, it was... You know, I think I think Lord Worm did such a such a ballsy job on, on both those songs that I just... I'm, I did change some things. I morphed some things for my style. 
but the integrity of the songs were there. Lyrics I didn't touch. He's a brilliant lyricist. I, how dare I or anyone try and change that shit? So, so I I left it as is. I don't even think that really. I don't even think I thought once about should I work my own shit in. Those were done, and uh, I was uh, I was anticipating playing them. I was very excited about it. I asked this question to Lord Worm. When he left the band, I've heard that he didn't comprehend that Cryptopsy was actually popular and a big band. At what point do you think Cryptopsy became a bigger band? And, what, you know, None So Vile became a cult album. I think, well, honestly, I think it was while he was in the, while he was in the band. I think None So Vile was well on its way to being elite, you know, an elite death metal release, you know. It is, it is hands down one of the best in the business, you know, really, it is. And um, I think it was already there. I think, the, you know, it, the wildfire had already begun. And I was fortunate enough to step into a situation where the, where the, where the talk was already, it was already the talk of the town, or beginning, certainly, for it. And then we just, it, that wildfire turned into a, a full inferno at, at some point, you know. Where that happened, you know, I, I've had this, I've had this discussion with people before, and something that comes up often is where it where it escalated, where it really started to escalate for us. I think was the Milwaukee Death Fest, our first our first uh, performance there, and I think at that point, Century Media got in touch with us at that point, and so did Nuclear Blast, and so did uh, you know there were several there were several labels that had had been. Ah, dare I say clamoring for it at that point they were really on it you know and um, so I, I have to say I have to liken that that performance with really where it started to become you know this monster you know uh, where, where you know it, it just it was it was it was a fucking inferno I don't know what else to call it you know a lot of bands would have just rested on their laurels and written another none so vile Cryptopsy didn't do that. No, not they at all. They wrote something completely different. I agree. Why do you think that happened? And what was the process? Well, I think oh, certainly a lot of it comes down to, to John. You know, John is probably the best guitarist I, I, I have ever had the privilege to play with. And, and this is not knocking anybody. I have had amazing brilliant musicians that I've had the opportunity to play with. That kid is just on another planet. He really is. He's something He's something special. And I think his songwriting comes along with his playability and his work ethic and all those things sort of pull together in one sort of perfect storm, really, where it just that kid is, you know, and, and him and, and obviously him working with, with Flo, the two of them really were the ones to, the catalyst to putting those songs together. They like pushed each other, I think. Oh, fuck, for sure they did. Big time, you know. You could feel it. You, you, I, I, I know it sounds crazy, but you could be in that room, which I was, you'd be in that room and you could feel the, the intensity, the, the, the drive. You could feel it, man. It wasn't just a fucking word or it wasn't a, a past tense or it was fucking on. It was on, you know, and I witnessed it. I was, I, I bore witness to it. I was, I was part of it, you know, and, um, so I, you know, I, and, and, and it takes absolutely nothing away from Steve Tebow and his writing. His writing is, I think he's a fucking fantastic, he's a brilliant guitar player. But I think that he just brought 
something new to the table that was not really present, really. You know, I mean, at least, you know, I mean, I'm, 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 I consider myself to be up on metal and I consider myself to be, you know, uh, certainly well in the know of, of bands. And I didn't know anyone that was doing what we were doing at that point, you know. I just feel that I, I, I think that that was really the point where it went from, you know, none so vile and it became something something different. I mean, it became, it was still cryptopsy, but it was, we went in a different direction. And it was really from the start of that point, I think, uh, from, from him taking the reins of writing. Let's talk about your first show on stage at Cryptopsy, the reception of the crowd. Amazing. Yeah? Oh. Let's talk about it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it was. It was. It was at the Foofs. And um, I heard there was a rite of passage that happened. There was a rite of passage. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it was. And to this day, I, I you know, I, I, and I, and I don't mean this in an egotistical way in the least bit, but I think it was really one of Montreal's, Quebec's, like, huge moments in death metal. Like, uh, that transition, because, you know, nobody's ever fucking done that. Nobody ever did it then, for sure. And what it was, was nobody knew that he was out. They kept it really under wraps. And what ended up happening was they, they we'd, we'd practice it at, at the gym. So he would come up, he'd sing Crown of Horns. Three quarters of the way through, before the solo started, he'd collapse. And then I would come up, and I would pick him up and toss him into the, into the coffin. So the coffin was laid out. Somebody brought it up. I think it was brought through the crowd, brought up, put on the, on, on the stage while he was there. I'm in the back. And, um, and he drops. So I don't know. We tried this, I don't know, three, four times at the jam. Make sure we, you know, just, again, I want to be prepared. I go to pick him up, and I'm like, you son of a bitch. I don't know what you got, like, lead in your fucking pockets or something. You're like, he was playing dead for God, real. Dude, yeah. he was playing dead, and there was no lift. There was no give. There was no nothing. So I'm, I'm, I, I go to pick him up. I'm like, oh, shit. Here we go. So, I'm, you know, the solo's going on. I'm like, I got to get this kid in the coffin. I got to get him the fuck out of here before before, um, before the my, my pot, you know, the ending uh, where I sing. So I finally I pick him up, I heave him up, and I fucking toss him, and I ha- literally had him by his shirt and by his by his pants, like his uh, top of his pants. I fucking yank him up, toss him in, and the last thing I could think of was like because I ta- I finally put him in, and it, it, he was like I said he was so heavy at that moment. I fucking kicked the I kicked the coffin. <laughs> they grabbed the coffin, they pull him off the stage. I pick up the mic and start singing, and then as I'm singing, they pull him through the crowd. And they just walked him out of. I, it was just unbelievable. Like, like really. And then he finished the show. Momentous. Yeah, and I finished the show from there. Yeah, unbelievable. Yeah, it was awesome. It was. It was really one of those like one of one of the the highlight, you know, favorite shows. I mean, it's the first show for one. And uh, you know, I was amped up. I was psyched. I was. I was super honored to be be up on stage with those guys. And and it was really a moment in time where yeah, I mean, it changed it changed my life. You know. Really? Let's move forward again to the last show. I've heard a rumor it was at Wacken. I don't know if that's correct or not. That is true. Yeah, it was at Wacken. And I, we, we opened that set. We opened that, that show. Uh, first or second night. It must have been the second, second day. But we opened it at, I don't know, 1 o'clock or whatever it was. And um, the place was, you know, I mean, it was, I don't know how many fucking people, 20,000 people, whatever it was. A shitload of people. So when smooth, it was actually funny enough, and I remember this too. It was the first time I used 
um, a wireless mic. Never used one before. I was I'm an old school guy. I was like, give me the give me a regular mic, you know. That time I had it had it had the offer given to me, and I was like, fuck it, let's do it. And I loved it. I was, yes, freedom. Oh my yeah. god, the freedom. <laughs> I was like, what? I'm so old school. Why am I so old school? Oh yeah, because I'm old. Fuck. So um, yeah. So I um, I mean, at that point, I remember finishing the set, coming back off the stage, and standing and made it a made a point to stare out at the stage and stare out at the crowd and had that distinct feeling of this is the last time it was the last time i we knew that it was the last time with them but for me it felt like it was the last time that i would ever perform ever perform a full show it just felt that way wow, and, and it has okay. been i've gone up i've done songs with you i've i've done songs well with cryptopsy i've done songs with uh you know, with other bands too, I've done you know uh, several you know guest guest spots, but I've never done a full show since that since that since Vodka. Unbelievable! And it was pretty much like you know, I mean, this is like kind of going out on as high as you can go. Yeah. yeah, really. That moment must have been just it was tears. It was yeah. yeah. I, I, I definitely had tears for sure. Looking at the guys, like you know, the moments you know as you're doing in between songs. Taking it all in. I not during the set. During the set, everything went very smoothly. We it was a great it was a great set. Um, but it was afterwards, just standing there and lo- looking out, and then yeah, for sure, tears welled up. Absolutely. But I'm an emotional guy, so so um, that was that definitely hit me. And Martin Lacroix um, was there, and he finished that tour. Am I right or am I wrong? No, I don't think so. No. Okay. No. Um, because this is a one-off. That was a show. Yes, it was. Yeah, that was a one-off show. And then there was another show that was booked when we came back, which was booked in Ottawa. And then before we went to Vakken, though, they said, okay, well, you, you want to finish up with, uh, with, with uh, Ottawa? I was like, cancel the fuck out of that show. <laughs> Nothing against Ottawa. I love, I love the shows we played in Ottawa. But nah, we're not. No, no, you're not going to nah, finish find in someone, Ottawa. Find someone for that one. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> you know, <laughs> And and again, like I, we 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 played Ottawa, and there were always fun shows, and you know I love I love the Ottawa shows. We'll move on to a Curian. I've heard it. I've heard this record. Awesome. Being in a band with Ollie, we drink beer and we listen to music. Nice. What do you think? I love it. I'm, awesome. I'm wondering Appreciate when it's going to see the light of day. All right, I have some news. I finally have some news about Good. it. Good. Let's talk about it. Yeah. Um. Okay. So. All, all I can say right now is that it's going to be uh, the first or second week of April. That that's what we're looking at right now. So it's a tentative. It's more than a tentative date, but it's it's going to fall within the within, within to that hear time. some music or no. to have an announcement. No, in fact, what we're going to do is we're going to release three songs, three singles. I'm not sure if I can say which ones yet. So so we will release three, and then we're but before that we're going to release uh, sort of a teaser. So it's going to be a teaser accompanied with. Three separate releases of, of uh, three different tunes. For everyone that isn't aware, Akurian is almost a mashup of Neraxis and with you on vocals. Yep, Cryptopsy, Cattle yeah. Decapitation. Yeah, yeah, it's with Tommy. It's unbelievable. Tommy McKinnon playing drums. You know, Rob Milley, obviously, and, uh, and Ollie Pinard. And uh, this has been a project that has been six, a seven long, years. Fuck, easy. Seven and a half years at this I point. I think it was before Cryptops, uh, Ollie joined Cryptopsy. He was already working on a Curian. Ah, uh, you know what, dude? I think it. Yeah, I think it was just. I think it was just starting with you guys or something. I, I that that rings a bell. I think uh, it was. Yeah. For everyone at home, well, what style of band it is? It's it's more droney. 
doomy almost at moments with like a death metal twist on it. Yeah, a bit proggy at times. I'm, you know, I, mean, I use that term semi-lightly. Um, but definitely death metal is brutal, but it is slow. There's a lot of, lot of slower stuff, a lot of, a lot of really groovy riffs. Um, it's dark. It's, um, I don't know, we're, it's, it's an album that I would say the four of us are extremely, extremely, extremely proud of. And, it, you know, to, to see it at this point now where we can actually say, you know, um, for instance, I, we, you know, I, this is something I can, I can say as well. We signed with Redefining Darkness Records. So huge up-and-coming label at this point, like really getting a lot of, lot of plug. Thomas Haywood, who's uh, at the helm, super awesome dude that knows his shit and um, just, just, I can't say enough good things about him. Um, I know he's going to push the project. Um, we have a, an ad that's coming out in Decibel. We're, we're at the top of the ad. Really? So we, right. we actually finalized that yesterday, last night, like clamoring to get the shit done. Like 20 minutes, dude. We got 20 minutes to figure it out. All right, let's go, let's go, let's go. Um, but, uh, you know, for us, it's, it, it, it has been a labor of love. Um, because, you know, this, it, it's, not that, it, it's not that it's been seven and a half years of lackadaisical approach or laziness or whatever the fuck we feel like getting together. It really has been. We've been jam- we jammed. We, 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 you know, we, we got the songs down. We had them in our pocket. And then there were circumstances. My wife passing away. Uh, 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 Tommy uh, in projects. Uh, Rob, Rob in projects. Ollie obviously in projects. Way for, you know, touring with you guys for months at a time. So there was a lot of things that played into not getting it complete sooner than we were hoping for, you know. Um, but, you know, I, I, the way I, I, you know, for myself anyways, I've always looked at it as it gets done when it gets done, and that is it. You know, I'm not going to hem and haw over what's out of our control, you know. And, and a lot of it was out of our control. So we just rolled, rolled with it. And, you know, for us, it's, it's a real sense of uh, accomplishment to see it at this level. Now we're there. We see a, a light at the end of the tunnel. And um, well, I'm very excited to see what, uh, you know, hopefully people will dig it. People love it. Fantastic. People don't love it. Fantastic. Whatever. I think people are going to love it. It's fucking so. amazing. Yeah, thank you. Is there going to be a Mike DeSalvo returning to the stage, <laughs> doing a full set? A Curian show in the future. I don't know. Um, you know, I, I, I know Ollie was talking about it uh, on your show, and he was saying it was an absolute no, it's a no, it's a no. And it has always been a no, and it really has. We've always said, let's just write an album, let's get together, four like-minded people, let's, let's put some shit out, and let's see where it, what happens. But I think as it's progressed, I would say that that absolute no is turned into, look, at if there's a, if there's a strong offer, if, there, if it makes sense, if... You know, there's got to be a few things that come into play. I don't want to. I don't want to ham fist it. I don't want to and half ass it. I, I, that's the last. That's the last thing on the. You know that I that I want to do. Touring is probably out of the question. Um, you know, I got two young kids. That's not likely. I, I, I'm not one to ever say no. You know, if if I can make it happen, if it is if it is something that that makes sense as a one off uh, festival show, if it's if it's something that makes sense as a fucking short short tour long tour if it makes fucking sense it has to make sense dude you know uh, so if 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 any if all those components work out then you know I, i'd say our ears to the ground you know 
I'm super stoked for it to come out. I'm super stoked to hear it again. Thank you. Uh, everything I've heard has been amazing. Mm. It's, awesome. Uh, really feel excellent good about it. to hear your vocals on music again. Awesome, man. Thank you. Let's talk about Coma Cluster Void. How did that come about? How did you end up singing for a band overseas? Yeah. This one came kind of. This one came out of the blue. First of all, uh, when uh, when when Gene had reached out, uh, I think it was Gene that reached out to me first. Um, and then subsequently, I think it was Sylvia that had reached out almost immediately after through, of all places, LinkedIn. Really? Yeah, yeah. Reached out through <laughs> LinkedIn. The fucking LinkedIn owes me money for that. Um, those guys, they reached out to me and they were like, you know, I've had many people over the years reach out and say, hey, would you like to be, would you like to join this project or whatever? And it just wasn't the right fit. It was never the right fit. So, but I always listen. I do. I always listen to the songs and see, all right, is there... Is this something to, to do here? Is there, you know, is it worth is it worth putting time and effort into it? And um, when she when she, when she sent me the tracks, like they, she had done, like I don't know, these forty second clips of some songs that mostly we didn't use. But it was when it came to to me, and I listened to those. I was like, holy fuck, man! Like I, this is something I I have not heard before. You know, similarities, but not something as brutal and honest and intricate and uh, it's it just something rubbed me the right way and I got back in touch with them I said look and I'm, I'm interested let's talk you know and we, we, we figured out what, the things that need to be figured out and, um, and I started working on some, some, some material for them uh, they, were, they were huge fans of, of my era with Cryptopsy and so for them, they were like, "Look, we, we love the lyrics, we, we we love the style, and we want we want you to formulate some stuff." So what we did was we had a uh, we still have a very strong working relationship in terms of how we work. The uh, the symbiosis of of having them send tracks, work the lyrics in, figure them out, send lay down some tracks, send it to them. Um, I, you know, even I'm jumping ahead of the head of the game. We'll, we'll Gene and I will sit down together and figure out generalized topics we did it first then it became something more and now it's at a, at a point where it's it's almost like a, we liken it to a, and I like I mean liken it in terms of the uh, the style uh, not even the style the, um, the not even the theme what am I looking for the concept the concept like the concept of having a Pink Floyd the wall kind of idea oh cool so a yeah. full full story I love that into, shit too. me too yeah, yeah. and I've never done that I had I had the chance to do on Thoughts from a Stone, the second album, which is an EP, 24-minute long song. I've, I'm a huge Floyd fan. So the 24, 25-minute long, long songs, love them. <laughs> Fucking love them. <laughs> love them, and I wanted to do one. So I got the chance to do that, and then obviously this, this opportunity of doing something that's, that's a full-scale story based on a universe that, that's of Coma Cluster Void. And... Uh, as, as daunting as that may be and as challenging as that is, I, I love a challenge. And um, you know, I've, I've created a, uh, an outline for, for this particular, for the new album called Absurd Romanticism. But it's very, very, very early on. Like uh, we've got a couple of tracks that have been done um, musically, riff-wise. And the rest will just come. They, they feed me the tracks. I write the words. I, I do the arrangements with, with Gene. We figure out where we're going to place them. And then um, 
I send the tracks back to them. I put the I put the placement of where the other vocal there's other vocalists in the in the project as well. Um, in this case, it's Lin- Lindsay uh, O'Connor and uh, and um, Austin Taylor. At this point, Jen, my late wife, she she had um, uh, she had uh, done some vocals. She was actually in the project uh, by the end of it. And um, so it's always been a very vocal-driven uh, project, really. You know, with with lots of vocals, lots of different vocals, and I would plant those, plant at least plant the seeds in terms of you know, this spot will be me, this spot will be you, this spot will be you know, pass those on to Jean. She disseminates all that shit off to the to the to the rest of them, and it's the first time I've ever. ever Worked within those parameters. Just, just so if not in a jam room. No, not in a jam room. Uh, weird. It's strange. Uh, but, but it's okay. You know, it must I mean, almost be strange because you get so in love with your idea, and then you ship it off, and then like, whereas in a jam room, they'd be like, no, no, stop, don't yeah, do that. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Yeah, yeah. There is that. It must be a bit strange that. Yeah. Yeah, it is. It is. It's it's definitely strange for me. You know, I'm not super technologically savvy. So I've had my own challenges in terms of that. How do you track your vocals? Where do you do that? I track them on, um, we use Adobe. I, I throw the uh, tracks of the guitar tracks. Gene, what, what Gene will do is she'll, tr- she'll track her guitars and then she'll program the drums. Send them off to the drummer. This is what I want. And those come to me. So there are always slight changes from once, once it goes from, from programming to organic there's yes, some changes of course. Yeah, yeah. yeah so there's some some fluctuation in terms of the vocal uh, arrangements and things on, on on my behalf but we at least have an idea working idea so i just i track in my house have some drinks loosen up and just go sounds just like track fun. them and send it <laughs> and uh, yeah it's 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 a blast really you know uh, but it's different it's unique it's a u- unique way that i'm you know just not now i'm privy to but I haven't been for all my career. Is this another situation where the right offer will have a live performance, or is it not feasible? I don't think it's feasible. Um, we did have an offer to play the Decibel um, Philadelphia Decibel Beer uh, Metal Metal and Beer Festival um, through Translation Lost Records, who who were signed with, and Drew had reached out and said, "Look at you know I can get you a spot on there. Are you guys interested?" And to, I, I, we've got people in Oregon, in Michigan at the time, two in Berlin, one in Canada. Just nah, it was or two in Canada. It's a pricey it just, flight. Yeah, yeah it's a, well, I mean, the, it's the flight. It's the getting together. Like I'm not going to do that show without jamming with these guys, and multiple times. Like, it's not going to happen. You know, for me, maybe other people will. I am never going to step foot on a stage without. Practicing and jamming it out. Back to, that, back to that nightmare. No, no, that nightmare. <laughs> that nightmare would happen, and I know it would. And it would be, it would be all those nightmares that I had brought into one fucking moment. And I said, "Fuck, you know, I've been told in my nightmares. Somebody told me, fucking countless times. Not and here I am showing up like an asshole and, and trying to pull it off. No, not gonna happen. So, um, so uh, again, I, I would never say never, but the likelihood is. Almost no, you know it's a studio project, and um, although I have some really awesome ideas that we could pull off, like um, you know for um, stage wise, stage wise, chorus wise, have a uh, I won't go into details because I don't want some motherfucker stealing it, but uh, but no, you know seriously, like uh, in my head, I, th- I I I see a grander vision 
of it that would need to pass and fly by with um, uh, by Gene, but uh, it's it's not likely. I'll leave it at that. Mike. Yes. Thank you so so much. Coming, chatting with me, having a beer with me on Vox and Hops. Fucking right, man. It's awesome. an absolute honor. It has Cheers. been an honor. Cheers, my friend. Hey, thank you all so much for listening right to the end. You know that I love and appreciate that. Mike, such a great dude, such a great chat, such a great night. We stayed at Le Seibuc Brasserie Artisanale until very late that night, enjoying many, many a craft beer. Huge shout-out to Saint-Buck Brasserie for welcoming us so warmly, taking good care of us. If you're downtown Montreal and you're looking for a good place to have a good brew, Le Saint-Buck Brasserie Artisanale is the place for you. Trust me. That's what I do. That's what I tell all my friends to do. They got great beer. They have a great atmosphere. They have a great crew. Shout-out to the Saint-Buck. As always, the best way to support the Vox & Hops podcast is through the Vox & Hops Big Cartel page. Any support that I receive is greatly appreciated. And I love you all for doing that. Another thing you can do if you want to help the podcast is simply talk about it. Tell your metalhead friends. Tell your craft beer loving friends about the podcast. Tell them to like and subscribe to all the social media pages. You can rate the podcast on Apple Music or on Spotify. That always helps. And you can always uh, leave me a comment. There would be no Vox and Hops if it wasn't for all of you listening. So a huge thank you. A huge cheers. I hope that you guys have a great weekend, and remember to enjoy life, metal, and craft beer. Cheers, Vox and Hopsets. It is now 2024, and the choice is up to you. Do you listen to good podcasts, or do you listen to bad ones? Well, we've got a suggestion for you. How about you listen to a good podcast for the first time in your miserable life? I can think of one. Overnight Drive. Going strong. 11 years now. The podcast about nothing. Your favorite podcast's favorite podcast. Do you enjoy nothing? <laughs> so do we. Why don't you come over and check it out and stop listening to other podcasts.